Well, again, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a good one and was properly stuffed. Um, we had a great time. We got to speak, see our family, uh, my parents and my brother and uh, his family in South Carolina. And we just rolled back in off the highway last night. So good to be back. It was a quick, quick trip, but a good one. Um, and I'm excited because today marks uh, the beginning of Advent. Uh, today is uh, the first Sunday of Advent, uh, so Ryan mentioned that at the opening of the service of our time together in worship. Uh, Michael and Ashley um, introduced us as we uh, light the Advent candle to this first Sunday of Advent. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about just what Advent is. Maybe like me, uh, you grew up in a church tradition where you did not celebrate Advent, uh, or maybe you're uh, relatively new to following Jesus and uh, you've never heard of Advent. And so I thought it would be helpful just as we're entering into this season, which is a powerful season. Uh, it's a real gift, I think, of the Lord to the church as we enter into it. I want to just talk a little bit about what is Advent. Um, and so hopefully this will be helpful whether you're familiar uh, or whether this is your first real encounter and experience with Advent. So Advent really is uh, it's the four weeks leading up to Christmas. And during these four weeks, uh, we are really preparing our hearts um, uh, and drawing near to Jesus. That's the bottom line, what we're trying to do. Uh, and the church has been using Advent as a, uh, as a helpful way to do this in its tradition since really the fourth century. So even if it's new to us, it is definitely not new uh, in the church. Um, and so you might be surprised to, to find out that the church actually marks time in a different way than we're accustomed to. And Advent clues us into that reality. So Advent is a way of marking time that's part of what you might call the church calendar or a liturgical calendar that works itself out throughout the year. The church has a different way uh, of marking time. And the way it marks time really is oriented around the person of Jesus. It's what makes it so powerful and beautiful. It's oriented around the gospel, you could say. And so Advent, it marks the beginning of this church way of marking time. Uh, it begins with Advent, and the calendar follows this kind of three-year cycle. So what that means is today is actually the beginning of a new church year. Uh, so today is, is, is kind of like New Year's Day. It's not January 1st for the church, it's today. So happy New Year's uh, as we start Advent. Um, and then what happens is you get Advent, and then you get Christmas, uh, or Christmas tide, sometimes it's called. Then you have a short little season called Epiphany. And then you have Lent, followed by Easter, followed by Pentecost. And then from basically from kind of June all the way around the calendar uh, to uh, November, you have what's called ordinary time. And, and that is kind of the ebb and flow of the church calendar. But it's a way of marking time around Jesus. And so the word uh, Advent, as Ryan mentioned, that this season is named for, uh, comes from the Latin Adventus, which means coming or arrival. And it refers to both the first coming of Jesus, which we celebrate, the birth of Christ, and the second coming. But what I would say is if, if you've got a foot on each of those, first and second coming, in the season of Advent, you're really leaning heavy on the second coming of Jesus. Maybe you think about it that way, okay? So we're going to lean into this idea of the second coming of Jesus. Um, and so during Advent, what you're doing is you're waiting for Jesus' return, which is what we are doing. 
in this time between the comings, right? Between uh, the advents of Jesus, we are waiting for him to come. And when he comes, we're told he'll return to judge the world and that he's going to redeem all things. He's going to set all things right. He's going to usher in uh, God's shalom, this peace, this wholeness, where there'll be no more earth uh, or heavens that are touched or marred by sin or suffering or death. That's what we're waiting for. When Jesus comes, he's going to inaugurate that new reality. So that's, that's Advent. That's the 30,000-foot view. I want to encourage you. There's a great website called the Anglican Compass, anglicancompass.com. There's a link to it on our website, uh, and it has a rookie's guide to Advent if you are interested in learning more about anything I've just talked about. But the reality is that Advent, it's been largely lost, I think, uh, certainly in our culture and I think in many parts of the church, and it's just overshadowed, really, by the popularity of Christmas. Um, so for most followers of Jesus, though, for, for most of history, Advent was really a front and center during this time of the year as you're coming up to Christmas Day. And so that's just very different. I mean, it's very different than what we experience uh, right now in our cultural and historical moment. So it's kind of hard for us to imagine this, but, but you know, this, if there was a trailer right, for Advent, you know, there'd be that voice that would come on, you know, imagine a world, right? Like, so, so try to imagine a world, right? Imagine a world where, uh, where uh, Walmart doesn't put out Christmas decorations until Christmas Day, right? Like, that's, that's the world we're trying to imagine. Uh, imagine a, a world where there's no Christmas carols on the radio until Christmas Day, uh, where the Christmas Eve service, and this used to be the tradition in the church, was actually a midnight service. And what would happen is you would all gather, having gone through the season of Advent, you'd gather for Christmas Eve, and there'd be no decorations before this in the, in the church. It'd be uh, very different, very stark. And then Christmas Eve, you would decorate, and it would just burst forth. Like Christmas would just burst onto the scene as you celebrated Jesus' birth. Now that, that whole, like I said, sounds very strange to us. Sounds very kind of out of whack because we're already full on Christmas. I mean, our calendars are full of Christmas already. Um, and so it sounds very strange, but I think too, uh, maybe you can connect with this, I think it, it, it sounds strangely um, comforting and helpful in, in a time of year when things can be so frenetic. The pace of life can be so overwhelming and calendars fill up and it's just go, go, go. It's almost refreshing to be talking about a season that says, hey, slow down. Just wait and be mindful of the waiting. Um, so what this means is that we're entering into the season of Advent and what you're going to feel, and you probably heard it in the readings and you're going to feel it as we go through Advent, is this kind of dissonance with what's going on outside <laughs> of the church versus what's going on within the church. Outside, it's full-on Christmas. In here, it's Advent. And there's a dissonance. There's a discordance that comes with that. Um, and I want to encourage us to embrace that. Embrace that dissonance. Um, because I think it really is good for us. It's good for our hearts. And it helps us remember that we are people who, who really are living between the Advents. That we are people who both celebrate Jesus coming and we're waiting and we're longing for him to come again. And we occupy this kind of space of tension in history. So, real quick, I want to give you three reasons I think we need Advent. So that's what Advent is. Three reasons we need Advent. Uh, we need Advent because it helps draw our distracted hearts to Jesus. 
I think that's the greatest gift of Advent. It helps draw our distracted hearts back to Jesus. If we will allow him, the Holy Spirit can use this season to draw us nearer to Christ and deeper and deepen our longing for him. I mean, how amazing would it be to come to Christmas Eve and want more of Jesus instead of like, we made it, right? I mean, how different would that be? Um, I think ironically, I found this in my own life, uh, this time of year can be one of the most challenging times to actually see Jesus and hear from Jesus because we can get so distracted, lost in the busyness, the shopping, the events. I, I was visiting with uh, an extended family member over Thanksgiving this past week, and she was telling me that last year she was so behind on her Christmas shopping that she was out on Christmas Eve uh, actually shopping, and the day just got away from her. And before she knew it, the day was almost over, and it was time for Christmas Eve worship at her church, and she was too far away. She couldn't get back, right? And so she, uh, she looked up a church near the shopping center where she was, and she, she, she kind of got in and made their service, and she said it was so beautiful and so powerful and so humbling. But she said it just, it illustrated perfectly like how easy it is, right, to get distracted. Oh, it's Christmas Eve, you know, like, oh, Jesus is born. Oh, I forgot. You know, I mean, just that reality, uh, I think, hits way too close to home, more than we probably would be willing to admit. So, so it can happen to any of us. And again, just how, uh, how different would it be to show up at Christmas Eve, having gone through the next four weeks of Advent, and allow it to, again, just help us to take a breath and slow down and focus our attention again on Jesus, this Jesus that's foretold by the Old Testament prophets, right? this Jesus who is our Savior, this Jesus who's our King, this Jesus who has come and will come again. So we need Advent to help our distracted hearts come back to Jesus. I think quickly two other things I just think of with Advent. I think we need Advent to remind us this world is not our ultimate home. Um, it's just easy to forget that in Christ. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom that we will one day experience in all its fullness. This is home now. This is home now. But we long for our true eternal home when we'll be together in Christ with Jesus. That's where we're headed. And so Advent reminds us of that. I think we need Advent too to remind us that Jesus really is going to come again. He really is coming again. And so Advent invites us to kind of step back and see uh, kind of the long view, the big picture, uh, to look towards the horizon. It's not just a countdown to Christmas. Uh, it's reminding us that we are waiting for someone. We're waiting for someone, for Jesus, our Savior and King, who's coming back. And that's really a strong theme in Advent, about waiting and longing, which is why you get these themes. So Michael said, you know, the theme for today is hope. We're going to talk about hope this morning, but hope and peace and joy and love, these are, these are the gifts that God wants to give us. His Spirit wants to move. These are not just cute words from a Hallmark card, right? This is real gifts from the Holy Spirit. These are real gifts that he wants to give us, and our hearts need them. These are gifts that we need to carry with us as we wait for Jesus to return. So hope, peace, joy, and love, that's what we're going to look at over the next four weeks. Um, before we look at hope, just real quick, here's some ways that we as a church family want to celebrate Advent, and I hope it'll help us to prepare our hearts to really be open and drawing near and deeper to Jesus. So the first one is gathering for worship each Sunday. Um, it's a part of our normal rhythm, and let's keep it 
You know, let's let that be our baseline. Man, when something happens, it recalibrates us. It draws us to Jesus. When we worship, we hear the gospel proclaimed. We come to the table on a weekly basis. And so when we gather, we're going to be celebrating uh, Advent together. Gather for morning prayer, Wednesday, 7.30 to 8. So we're going to be doing this here. Um, I'll be leading this with some, some of the staff. And so it'll just be a time set apart for us just to be together and seek the Lord uh, together in prayer. It's, it's, think of it kind of as a midweek kind of uh, Stop, you know, just break point. Like, you know, I think of those highways where you're going down the hill and they got those pull-offs for semi-trucks, you know, with all the sand, you know, so you boom, boom, boom. It stops you from running through the week. That's what Wednesday could be during the season of Advent. It can kind of help you slow down. And I know being, coming to a prayer gathering can feel intimidating, right, if that's not something you've done before. Um, I just want to encourage, if you just come and just want to sit and just be in God's presence, um, we'll have some guided prayer. We'll have some time of open prayer, but I encourage you to come and join us Wednesday, 7.30 to 8. We'll have coffee. We'll have coffee, 7.30 to 8. Three Advent wreath and devotional readings. We've got a few more Advent wreaths out there in the lobby. They're a great way to just uh, to, to slow down at the end of the day, light a candle, do some readings. We've got a guide out there. If you want to go kind of the next level, we have um, some readings from the daily office, which are daily readings you can work through um, that are connected with the season of Advent for individuals, families, and groups. And then fourth, Advent playlist on Spotify. There's a link to this at apostleshouston.org uh, slash Advent. And um, it can just be really powerful. These are not Christmas carols. And you may have noticed we're, we're not singing Christmas carols uh, and we'll, we'll get into that. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of move in that direction over the next month. I love Christmas songs and Christmas worship songs, but man, some of these songs uh, on this playlist I think will really minister to you uh, if you'll allow them. So just some helpful resources. Okay, so we're entering into Advent. Today we're entering into Advent, longing for Jesus' return with hope. That's the theme, with hope. So if you want to get your Bible out, uh, look at Luke 21, these verses we just read. We're going to look there together, Luke chapter 21, beginning in verse 25. And so what I want to do this morning is I want us to talk about Advent and our longing for Jesus' return with hope. We need hope. We live in a world that desperately needs hope. The people around you, your neighbors, your friends, your family, they need true hope. And so that's our theme for this morning. So let's look at Luke chapter 21, uh, beginning in verse 25. So as you're looking there, just a little context. Um, so this entire chapter, Luke chapter 21, is Jesus teaching about what's going to happen between the first and the second coming. Okay, so he's talking about this between time, first and second coming. And it's often referred to as Jesus' apocalyptic teaching, right? So because he, he's talking about kind of the end of things. And so if you're looking 5 through 25, he's talking about things like the destruction of, uh, of Jerusalem and the temple, uh, which actually took place, the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Then there's the second half of the chapter, including our reading, which talks about uh, what's going to happen in the end times or the last days. There's those days leading up to Jesus' physical, actual return, the second coming. And this is what Jesus says is going to take place in those days. Those days leading up to his return. He says, there will be signs uh, in the sun and moon and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will, be, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing 
near. This is what Jesus says. After Jesus describes these terrible future circumstances, he goes on to tell this short parable uh, that I read about the fig tree. And the point of the parable, he's talking about leaves on the tree change. And he's saying when you see leaves on a tree change, it's telling you something, right? You see growing leaves come out. Uh, What's happening is that the season is changing. And so his point is, look, if you see these signs, they're like leaves. They're signs of a changing season, a new season. A change is coming, and you will know that I am coming. And so Jesus then encourages his disciples by telling them things are going to be really, 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 really hard. Let me just say that again. Jesus encourages his disciples by telling them it's going to be really, 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 really hard. (laughs) That doesn't sound right, does it? Let me encourage you by telling you how terrible things are going to be. But Jesus really is encouraging them. He's encouraging them, and he encourages them to stay alert and to be diligent and to be prayerful until he returns. So that's what Jesus' teaching is on. What is all this telling us? Now, there's way more in this passage than we can dive into uh, this morning. Let me make a few observations that I think will help as we enter into this Advent season with hope. So the, the first thing, just to point out, as we're longing for the return of Jesus with hope, is that waiting for Jesus is hard. Waiting for Jesus is really, really, really hard. Jesus makes that very clear. That, again, may not sound encouraging or hopeful, but it is. Because here's the thing. Hope without truth is just wishful thinking. Hope with no truth, right, is just wishful thinking. Jesus gives us the truth we need so that when we face these hard things, we actually can trust him and keep our faith in him and hold on to the hope that we have in him. These are some of the last words, right, that Jesus shared with his disciples before the cross. And so he's not pulling any punches He's telling it like it is. He says, before I return, the temple and the city will be destroyed by the nations. There's going to be outright persecution. Even creation itself will suffer. Things are going to get harder when it gets close to the end. They're not going to get better and better, and then I come. It's going to get harder and harder and harder, and then I will come. The world will be characterized by fear and social and political chaos and natural disasters. Jesus wants us to know the truth. He wants us to know the truth. Things are going to get harder, and that's hopeful for us. So <clears throat> over Thanksgiving, I thought, I thought of this experience I had over Thanksgiving. Over Thanksgiving, I ran my first ever road race. <laughs> now, you wouldn't know this from this picture, but uh, it was a 5K, <laughs> it looks like I ran a marathon. I'm like, yes, I did it. Uh, but it is the longest race I've ever run. Uh, it is the only race I've ever run. <laughs> and truth be told, I was the last person, the last runner to finish the race. But I did finish. I finished. Um, and, uh, and it was hard. It was hard. I'll just be honest. I I wish I could say, oh, no problem. 3.1 miles, piece of cake. Uh, It was hard. Uh, But the thing is, I didn't quit. I didn't stop running. There were times I really wanted to. 
I really, really wanted to stop. I got a stitch in my side at one point. I couldn't keep up with the rest of my family's pace. Uh, it was, I mean, and when I say slight, I mean really slight. It was slightly downhill one way and then slightly uphill coming the other way, but it might as well have been a mountain. I mean, it just felt terrible. Um, but it was hard, and it got harder towards the end. It got harder and harder the further I ran. <clears throat> and here, here's the thing. One of the best tips I got about running um, was that I should run with my head up. Not, don't, don't run like this, right? Run with my head up as I'm running. And that was really helpful because it really is harder to run when you run with your head down. And so just listen to what Jesus literally says in verse 28 here. Listen to what he says. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your head, right? Because your redemption is drawing near. You're getting close to the finish. Keep your head up. Jesus says life is going to be hard. The race is going to be hard. So what do you need to do? Keep your head up. Keep your head up. Advent is about waiting, and that sometimes we hear that. We hear waiting, and that does not mean sitting around and doing nothing. Right? There's a kind of waiting that's like waiting in the doctor's room you know, or lobby. That's not what Jesus is describing. He's talking about the kind of waiting that I was doing while I was running. I was waiting to get to the finish line, but I was moving I was moving. It's not passive. Jesus says, while you're waiting, keep running the good race and keep your head up. Don't give up. Run the race, even if it gets harder towards the end. Okay, we got to take that down now. <laughs> Hebrews 12. You guys are messing with me. You're keeping that up as long as you could. <laughs> not cool. It's <laughs> how you know you're loved. This is how you know you're loved. Hebrews 12, 1, 2, I love this verse. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Doing what? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. You can't fix your eyes on Jesus if you're looking down. You gotta look up. You gotta look up. So fix your eyes on Jesus. Advent is Jesus inviting us to run a race. And it's gonna be a hard race and it's gonna get harder. And he's honest, he's brutally honest. And he wants us to hold on to hope and remember to keep our head up and our eyes fixed on him. He is coming again. So here's my encouragement to us. Here's the encouragement of Advent. Here's the hope. Keep running. Keep your head up. Keep moving. Don't lose hope. Why? Because he's coming. There is a finish line, and he's going to be there. So keep running. All right, so longing for the return of Jesus with hope first means waiting for Jesus uh, return is hard, and we need to know that. And Jesus loves us enough to tell us the truth. Second, when Jesus returns, it will be in power and glory. The first time Jesus came, he came in the night. The second time he comes, he will come in the light, right? So that's the way to remember the difference between the two. Man, I feel like I was kind of channeling my inner Tony Evans right there or something. You know, like, it's, it's the night versus the light, Okay. Jesus says that. He says, verse 27, at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in cloud with what? Power and glory, great glory. When Jesus returns, here's the deal. No one is going to be like, who's that guy? Do you know who that? Anybody see that? Anybody know who this is? Anybody met this? Anybody recognize? No, every knee, Philippians 2, every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus is the king. 
It will be undeniable because he's not coming in the night. He's coming in the light. He's coming with great power and great glory. Luke 21, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man coming on a cloud. It's, it's drawing our, our memory to Daniel chapter 7 where we see Jesus as the Holy One, the Ancient of Days, sitting on the throne of God. This is Jesus in all his glory and all his power, all his kingdom authority, and when he comes, he will bring that power and authority, and with him will come judgment, the final judgment. He will come as a king in power and glory. Now, when we hear judgment, again, we, we get nervous. It makes us uncomfortable. We don't like talking about God's judgment, but we have to. Jesus did. We're followers of Jesus. We have to talk about it. We have to come to terms with it. Here's the reality. He's going to come in power and glory, and he's going to judge the living and the dead. And when he does that, what he's doing is an act of love. Because what he's doing is he's setting this broken, sinful world to rights. He's making all things new. right? A new heavens and a new earth. Is what Revelation tells us. So it's good news that Jesus is going to come and judge. He's going to make all things right, all things new. And so this is an encouragement to remember that Jesus is going to come. He's going to come in power. He's going to come in glory. So that's the second thing. Longing for Jesus' return with hope. We wait for it. We know it's going to be hard. When Jesus returns, it's going to be in power and glory. And then the third thing, when Jesus returns, all the promises of God will be fulfilled. When Jesus returns... All the promises, all of the promises, every single promise, there's not a promise you can find in here that will not be answered with a yes, an amen, in the person of Jesus when all things come to an end. How amazing is that? Every promise will find its yes in Jesus. Jesus said, when these things begin to take place, what did he say? He said, stand up, lift up your heads. Why? Because your redemption is drawing near. Your redemption is drawing near. To redeem means to take it back. Jesus is going to come and he's going to take back what's God's. He's going to regain possession of what's been lost, of what the enemy has taken. Right? He's going to take back what is his. God has promised he will take back creation. He will take back humanity. He will take it back from the kingdom of darkness, from sin and death. In fact, he's already won that victory on the cross. And when he comes, it will be the culmination of that promise fulfilled. It will be the yes that 2 Corinthians 1-2 talks about. Every promise finds its yes in Jesus. Redemption, in other words, has already begun. It's already begun. We're experiencing it. We get taste of this in our life. We can tell stories of redemption in our own life. But when Jesus returns, he's gonna consummate or complete or fulfill that promise of redemption totally. And with that one promise come all the other promises of God. All the promises of God will be vindicated for all those who trust in the Son. They will be vindicated. Here's what that means. It means we'll be free from sin. Free from sin, the evil one and the kingdom of darkness will be cast off forever when Jesus comes back. Praise God. We believe that. We believe when Jesus comes back, all will be healed. Completely, not partially, not temporarily, completely, totally, physically, emotionally, spiritual healing. Complete. 
as we were made in the image of God, will be fully known and fully loved. We will be with Jesus together forever, and the nations will bring him glory. Amen. All God's promises. Jesus says, count on it. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what does it say? My words, my words will never pass away. God's promises will be fulfilled. So longing for the return of Jesus with hope means we're waiting for Jesus, and it's going to be hard. It means when he comes back, it'll be in power and glory, and it means that all the promises of God, all the promises of God will be fulfilled when he returns. Here in Luke 21, Jesus is inviting us to be a people of hope. It's an invitation to be a people of hope. N.T. Wright, in his uh, great little book, Advent for Everyone, on the Gospel of Luke, he says this. I love this quote. He says uh, about Luke 21, he says, Keep alert. This is what we're told to expect. Patience is the key. Pray for strength. This is what it's about. Not a big, exciting battle, white with adrenaline flowing and banners waving, but the steady, faithful walk. It's about prayer and hope, scripture and sacrament and witness. Day by day, week by week, this is what counts. Read this story again. Remind one another of what Jesus said. Encourage one another and keep awake. Advent is a call to stay hopeful. Even when things seem hopeless, to stay vigilant and trust God and to keep running the race even when it's difficult. Don't root your hope in your circumstances. Draw hope from the promises of God, the promises of redemption, the promises of Jesus' return. Our hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so this morning, as you're entering into this season of Advent, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know what your circumstances are. You may feel beat down right now in your life. You may feel like this spiritual dryness. You may be facing a real crisis of faith. My encouragement to you, Jesus' encouragement to you is don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Jesus made one of the greatest promises that he ever made in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. He says, behold, I am with you to the very end. To the very end. I'm with you until I come again. I'm with you to the very end. Jesus isn't just waiting for us at the finish line. He's running with us. He's the breath in our lungs that we run with. He's in us and he's for us. He's inviting us. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We run with that truth. We run in a rest in Jesus and we run hard, but we run for the finish line. And he's there. He's waiting for us. The world and the evil one are going to break us. They're going to try to break us. They're going to try to entangle us, burden us, put our heads down and make us want to give up. And Jesus says, don't do it. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep looking up. Keep your eyes on the horizon. Keep running the race. Don't lose hope. I am coming again. Jesus says, I'm with you and I'm there at the finish. And let that be your hope. Amen? Amen.